going beyond the headlines, getting to the heart of the story. Calgary Today with Joe McFarland on 770 CHQR. Well, it's not exactly the news you were expecting to hear during Brenda's cast right there. Here's the audio of Alex Trebek. Hi, everyone. I have some news to share with all of you, and it's in keeping with my longtime policy of being open and transparent with our Jeopardy fan base. I also wanted to prevent you from reading or hearing some overblown or inaccurate reports regarding my health. So therefore, I wanted to be the one to pass along this information. Now, just like 50,000 other people in the United States each year, This week, I was diagnosed with stage 4 pancreatic cancer. Now, normally, the prognosis for this is not very encouraging, but I'm going to fight this, and I'm going to keep working, and with the love and support of my family and friends, and with the help of your prayers also, I plan to beat the low survival rate statistics for this disease. Truth told, I have to, because under the terms of my contract, I have to host Jeopardy for three more years. So help me, keep the faith, and we'll win. We'll get it done. Thank you. I've got to give him a lot of credit for adding a little bit of comedy at the very end there, saying, hey, I'm contractually obligated to keep hosting this show for the next three years. So good on Alex, and all the best to he and his loved ones as he goes through once again a stage four pancreatic cancer, which he says he was diagnosed earlier this week with that. Let's talk about what's coming up on this show today. And uh, obviously a lot of talk still. Gerald Butts taking the stand, so to speak, when it comes to the SNC-Lavalin debacle. We'll chat with Zane Velji, a political strategist, former Nenshi campaign strategist as well, uh, to talk about all sides of this. Because I've been sort of surprised, clearly, about how not just how the Trudeau government has dealt with this, but also... All the other parties, I mean, even today, Andrew Scheer making a campaign announcement of sorts in the midst of arguably he's going to be fourth, fifth, sixth in the pecking order in terms of stories of importance. And yet it was a pretty big story in terms of what he's promising. Hey, not going to be putting GST on your home heating bills. I would have thought you'd wait for that. So we'll talk to Zane about where everybody is going from here, because it's been a tumultuous few weeks here on Parliament Hills. We'll chat with him about that. Provincial election talk is certainly amongst us now. And one of the topics that has really come front and center, sort of surprisingly, sort of not, has been seniors care. Public Interest Alberta and Friends of Medicare uh, held a joint announcement yesterday. They're going to be in Red Deer tonight to talk about it. But seniors care is front and center for them. And one of the things that I heard loud and clear while doing a little mini tour of of southern Alberta just just about a month, a couple months ago now, was especially in small town Alberta, how to deal with the increased need for seniors care. So we'll chat with Joel French from Public Interest Alberta in kickstarting that debate heading into the provincial election campaign. And also, heroes of our city from the Calgary Fire Department were honored today and will be joined by one of them as we approach the end of the show today. But it all is going to start, like I said, a lot of analysis, a lot of talk about uh, Gerald Butts and his testimony today. We'll get to the very latest on that with Zane Velji next here on Calgary Today. 
All right. So we've heard both Danielle and Rob tear this apart in terms of what Gerald Butts said to the House of Commons Justice Committee today. So to dive more into it and also some of the reaction and some of the political operativeness. I know it's not a word, but I'm going to go with it. Surrounding this, Zane Velji, a political strategist, joining us now on the program. Zane, thanks so much for the time. Hey, good afternoon. When you watched what happened today, what came to your mind first? I was pleasantly surprised, I guess I can say, as to how Jerry Butts conducted himself. You know, one of the things heading into this was a big question as to why he would want to do this. Why would he want to put himself out on the line when he's been known as the prime minister's arm twister when he's been known as the heavy within the PMO? Why would he want to step into the spotlight today to to take the stand and get ripped to shreds uh, when everyone knows his position on the team or his former position on the team? And what I was surprised by and taken very much from the start was two things. Number one, his tone. Uh, He came across very well. Uh, He came across as someone who was competent, someone almost had a folksy charm to himself. Uh, and secondly, he, he did not come across as a know-it-all that, that many people have uh, considered him to be in, in, in a political operative uh, circle. He came across as the guy who at many points said terms like, I'm not a lawyer, and with respect, uh, and very much tried to frame this as a public policy debate, not so much the internal workings of politics or government or to get even deeper in how the sausage is made, though he did do that with why Jody Wilson-Raybould was, uh, uh, you know, demoted in cabinet. But he really tried his level best, I think, to, to frame this as a public policy debate. Those were the two things. That and the tone uh, is, is what struck me as, as my initial reaction. When you look at it from the standpoint, and, and he said more than once was he's not trying to cast shadows on Jody Wilson-Raybould at all. But and at the same time, given that he did take the opposite opinion of of Jody, does that not automatically throw some shadows onto her? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's what the kids call some subtle shade, not so much as the explicit, you know, knife fight. And, and listen, I think there was there's people out there, uh, you know, conservatives, NDP, frankly, some in the media who, who are expecting him to take that knife fight approach. Uh, the reputation Jerry Butts holds in those circles is that he is that heavy. He is the arm twister. So uh, I think he took an approach that many people felt like uh, was either A, unexpected, or B, he could not deliver in many ways. And I think he delivered them both uh, in a way where I think he, you know, carefully contested certain things. He carefully contested his version of events, uh, including when he thought that um, uh, the, the, the former uh, justice minister had made her final decision on the SNC case. So as much as he was trying to throw some sh- subtle shade at her, saying, listen, we've just got disparities, and what we're trying to do as a government is is focus on, on job creation and consider all of the ramifications, he was contesting elements of her story. That's absolutely clear. But I think he did it in a way uh, where he did not come off as slick or he did not come off as so polished uh, to the point where he, he became uh, unbelievable or, or outright uh, demonized himself. Is this the challenge that the liberals find themselves in now, is that they almost have to be this, uh, I'll call it passive-aggressive stance on how things actually played out or try to paint themselves into a better light given what has happened over the last couple of weeks? 
Absolutely. I feel like uh, that the biggest concern that the Liberals have heading into re-election is not SNC-Lavalin. It's the fact that SNC-Lavalin could be the catalyst that starts eroding their brand, their bargain, their promise, their transaction that they had with the Canadian voter, which was you will get a new type of Liberal government. This will be a government that cares for all, is empathetic, focuses on equality, social justice, women, indigenous rights. And if you start corroding that brand identity, that promise that was made to Canadians, I feel like that is exponentially more dangerous than an isolated incident of, you know, you know, political or even capitalist cronyism, which is hard to understand for the public. If this starts getting down to the core bargain that Canadians bought into by electing Justin Trudeau, that's where the beginning of the end uh, chapter can start to be written about the Liberals. So when you see uh, Justin Trudeau come out there and apologizing for cartoons, editorial cartoons about Jody Wilson-Raybould, when you see Jerry Butts taking an approach on, on testimony that has been unseen in terms of his character, persona, uh, and just demeanor by many, it speaks exactly to that. The biggest risk in the balance right now is that the brand promise of the Liberals uh, is at risk, and, and that's the last thing they, they want to have escape. And I suppose that's a big reason why Justin Trudeau has been at least very much rumored to be thinking of changing his direction and stance on how this is all played out. Oh, absolutely. Listen, if, if I'm the Liberals right now, the most politically opportunistic and probably quote-unquote, right way to do things is to come out heavy against Jody Wilson-Raybould, say that she was a difficult member in cabinet, say that the, the prime minister and the PMO cares about jobs, cares about jobs all across the country. They're, they're, you know, they may have gone a little bit far, but they're not going to be unapologetic when a public policy outcome. But what you are seeing is you're seeing some of those key messages. You're just seeing them packaged in a way, tonally, conceptually, uh, even with who's delivering them uh, in a way that they are trying to preserve their overall uh, Liberal Party brand. Has the damage already been done? And the reason I ask that is, and I've called this into question on the show a couple of times now, is the way that it's been handled to this point seems to be very, uh, it hasn't hasn't seemed as though it's been very organized. It's been very hit and miss. And you had the, the whole moon, uh, moon idea a few days ago. You had, they were trying to make a climate announcement during the midst of the Jody Wilson-Raybould. Like, it, am I wrong in thinking that, hey, you know, when you have something like this, you kind of put the brakes on some of these announcements. You try to collect yourselves and make sure that everybody's got the same message going forward. Yeah, I mean, when, you, when, you're, when you're explaining, you're losing. And I think that's exactly what you're seeing here. You're seeing the Liberal Party, Jerry Butts, Prime Minister Trudeau, that are caught in a cycle of explaining things. And while the facts meet on their side, they might have the evidence that they need. They're in the position of having to justify, explain, rationalize, show Canadians how the sausage was made. And that's the last thing you want to do. And that's why you see stuff like Pharmacare announcements, trying to throw these big things on the table to change the channel. They want to get rid of this, but they know the only way to get rid of it is either to distract or dig yourself deeper in explanation. And hopefully people buy that justification. On the flip side, if you were in the conservative war room, would you be pretty pleased with the way that they've handled things thus far through this SNC-Lavalin affair? Yeah, I think they made an initial mistake, which was having Scheer coming out so gleefully, almost measuring the curtains of the prime minister's office. He needs to hold back. Uh, when your opponent is in a position 
of uh, trying to get, dig, dig themselves out of a hole or trying to get into a position where they are trying to justify. You need to walk out of the way, let them make their or errors because they're going to in such a compressed timeline. And then you need to come out on the back end of that and show how you're a contrast. And I think they're going to try to do that better going forward. Talk a little bit about the idea that there's different sides of the truth. And that was something that Jerry Butts also alluded to is, hey, I saw it in a different light. Does Is there something to be said about how it's my truth now versus the truth? We do live in that era, don't we? I mean, especially punctuated by Donald Trump and politics of Western Europe in some way, which uh, mythologize uh, campaign platforms, which use opinion as justification. I don't think conflating that with this moment is, is, is fair. But what I do see is different interpretations of where the line is. Was it crossed? And it's almost now throwing it to a uh, public while educated do not have the context, the background, the understanding to effectively in the court of public opinion legislate what they feel about these things, because it's a, such a complicated scenario. So while this might be two sides of a coin of a truth, I think Canadians are just grasping as to what the line is, what's fair. I don't know if I understand. Can I inject emotion into this? Like if I sit here in Alberta and you're not protecting Alberta jobs, but you're protecting mm-hmm. Quebec jobs, should I be mad about that? Like, so there's such a three-dimensional situation for a public that is not used to, A, observing how these things are done, and B, having to legislate them in their minds in some way. Zane, I do appreciate the time this afternoon. Thank you so much. Cheers, I appreciate it. Thank you. No shortage of headlines coming out of Ottawa today surrounding Jerry Butt's testimony at the Justice Committee as the House of Commons is trying to wrap its head around the SNC-Lavalin affair. And certainly, I think a lot of Canadians are finding themselves in the same boat. Begs questions as to whether anything illegal happened. There's been a few texts who've been coming in, that have been coming in saying exactly that. Is this in the court of public opinion? Well, we already know what the public opinion is feeling about on this one. But in terms of actually having physical evidence or anything else, it's become the he said, she said. Literally. And it's certainly not lost on a lot of uh, those who were questioning Jerry Butts earlier today, including Lisa Wright. Are you aware, Mr. Butts, that political considerations are not to be part of decision making for the attorney general? Absolutely. So why would the Prime Minister's office then condone several conversations, including the Prime Minister himself, bringing these elements into discussions with the Attorney General? Well, I think there's a gray area in what you think is a political consideration, but I think you're also alluding to conversations I wasn't part of. I certainly never made any comment of the sort. So the Prime Minister never told you he mentioned... Thank you. The Prime Minister never told you that he had made a point that he was an MP in Quebec, and Mr. Marquez and Mr. El, uh, Mr. Bouchard never told you, or Mr. Chin never told you that they told Ms. Wilson-Raybould it was about an election in Quebec. It was about it was about winning votes in Quebec and concerns about votes in Quebec. No, they and, never mentioned and, that to you. No, honest to goodness, that's not true, Ms. Wright. And and I. What's not true? They never uh, sorry, told you that they told, didn't say. Nobody it. told me. Okay, fair and, enough. And but can I can I just have. A moment to answer this, and I think this is really important. I respect you a lot, Ms. Wright, and we've known each other a long time, not so well, uh, but we're both from the same part 
of the country. And as is Ms. May, we could have a terrorist game if there were one more Cape Breton around this table. Um, you know, we grew up around the same time, in the same place. And we know what it's like to see uh, a company or a community collapse. Mm -hmm. And can you imagine if when we were kids and the coal mines closed or the steel mill closed, the best explanation someone could give us was that someone thought about it for 12 days in Ottawa. And that's what concerned us. That is absolutely what concerned us. We wanted to make sure it was the first time the law was ever being used, and we just wanted to make sure that every due consideration was given to both up. Now, that was pretty civil compared to what he faced with Charlie Angus of the NDP. But so you occurred, said but to I'll, Jess I'll Prince think, that we don't get through this without interference. No, I did not say that. And I so are it. you saying then that Ms. Wilson-Raybo testified she was very believable to Canadians? Uh, you did not agree to go under oath. So the question is, is she wrong? Did she make that up? I think I explained at length, Mr. Angus, why, what I think happened. No, but I'm not getting an answer here. You may have explained it, but I don't gonna, understand. Not, because, Mr. Angus, with as respect, you say, with respect, with respect she Mr. either Angus, lied or she Angus, didn't. Please let the witness finish. Sorry, his, please Mr. let him just finish the answer, and then we'll come back to you. Finish the answer, Mr. Buzz. Mr. Angus. It's about her credibility. It is about what happened. Okay. And there are different perspectives on what happened. I see. I am not here to call anybody names, and you will not get me to cast I'm not asking you to, to call someone names. I'm asking whether or not there was interference, because facts, my no friend, as you said, that question. facts no. is, are no very stubborn, because I will ask you then, it's not just her, but Ms. Philpott said, I have lost confidence. I must abide by my ethical and constitutional obligations because of the allegations of interference by your office. There can be a cost to acting on one's principle, but there is a greater cost in abandoning them. So is Ms. Philpott not understanding this either? I would certainly agree with the last statement that there is a cost to um, abiding by one's principles, as is there a cost to abandoning them. Thank you. I think that um, in this case, as I detailed at length, um, there's more than one way of looking at it. The only thing that was missing in this whole back and forth. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! It's Calgary Today on 770 CHQR. You're going to want to stay tuned into 770 CHQR because, especially in the morning show, Mercedes Stevenson at Global News saying Prime Minister Justin Trudeau will hold a press conference tomorrow morning at 8 a.m., I assume that's 6 o'clock hour time, and will take questions from the media following his statement. Look for a conciliatory tone, but not an apology. I don't think that's going to go overly well in the eyes of many. And one of those eyes may very well be that of conservative leader Andrew Scheer. It's completely insulting to Canadians for Justin Trudeau to focus group the idea of an apology. That is completely insincere. He's had four weeks of denials saying that nothing 
wrong happen. He's had three major committee appearances by key figures in this scandal of liberal corruption. He's had two ministers resign, and now he needs a focus group. He needs uh, his team of, of advisors to tell him that maybe it'll help with damage control. That is so phony and insincere. Canadians will see right through that for what it is. He's had a rough week, hasn't he? Well, it's, it all goes back to his decision. This starts in September. This starts in September when he decided to use his power as Prime Minister to interfere in an ongoing criminal court case. This is another example of Liberal corruption using their position of power to reward their friends. That is completely unacceptable in Canada, and Canadians are rightly outraged about it. Where do you think this goes from here, sir? We believe that uh, we need more information, uh, that Justin Trudeau has to be held accountable for his own actions and the actions of people who are acting on his behalf. I find it appalling that he is sending Gerald Butts to committee to speak on his behalf. Uh, he refuses to appear before a committee. He refuses to hold a public inquiry. And he is still preventing Ms. Wilson-Raybould from speaking about key facts after her time as Attorney General, before she resigned from Cabinet. She has asked for the ability to share that information with Canadians, and Justin Trudeau is blocking her from doing that while allowing people like Gerald Butts and Michael Wernick uh, to speak on his behalf, to speak about whatever they want to speak about. That is completely unfair. And again, another reason why Canadians just don't trust Justin Trudeau anymore. Are you ready to go to an early election if, if he seems to be doing things for his own survival? That would be one move he could make. Are you ready to go if he were to call it after the budget? Uh, look, I mean, if, if, he's, if he wants to try to uh, uh, use that aspect to, as damage control, I think Canadians will, uh, will see that for what it is as well. Uh, that's up to him. We'll, of course, uh, be, be ready whenever that happens. Well, this, uh, the nature of these allegations go to the very highest offices within Canada, and that is normally where the RCMP would step in. Uh, we've asked the RCMP to investigate. We believe that what we've heard from testimony certainly warrants an outside independent police investigation. I note that other former attorneys generals from federal and provincial positions have also called for that very same thing. Uh, so we, we certainly hope that that happens. Uh, we also supported the idea of a public inquiry. All we have right now is Justin Trudeau uh, undermining the credibility of people who have accused him of very serious uh, allegations. Uh, we need to have uh, all the truth come out, a, a full examination of this, not just through the Liberal-dominated uh, Justice Committee, but an outside independent investigation into this. I'll agree, mainly because I want to hear not only both sides, but I want to hear whether or not, A, there's any criminal wrongdoing, because if so, then that really amplifies things. But even if there is none, then we can finally get to the bottom of this. And for her part, Jody Wilson-Raybould is saying, hey, you know what? I'm open to reappearing in front of the Justice Committee. She sent out a statement saying, with respect to the committee, I would, of course, make myself available to the committee if requested to give additional testimony to answer any further questions and to provide further clarity that may be required. I will note, as I indicated at the time, my statement to the committee was not a complete account, but only a detailed summary. As I said earlier on in the show, one of the challenges is that this is a he said, she said. And... Right now, it seems so, and especially when you listen to a lot of the comments from Jerry Butts, is there seems to be different versions of the truth now. This, I, I'm having a, a, I do believe in this whole idea of owning your truth. 
if you happen to be a bully, guess what? You're going to have to pay the piper down the road. At some point, history will decipher what your actual legacy is going to be. And right now, as it stands, I'm really curious as to how Justin Trudeau is going to be viewed 50 years from now or 100 years from now. No different than I'm saying about all politicians. We're going to talk more about that as we approach the end of the show because I've, I've got a radical idea. Something that, it's not that nobody's thought about, about it before, but man, oh man. Some of the things that we're seeing in politics nowadays, it's leaving me a little queasy. Brand new campaign. As everybody's been talking about the eventuality of the writ dropping and us heading into an election campaign here in Alberta, a lot of questions. We've we've raised a few, whether it be through health care. We've been talking about Cancer Center here. We've been talking education, all kinds of different things. We've been talking infrastructure. One side of it that hasn't been really touched upon yet is seniors care. And as a matter of fact, Friends of Medicare and Public Interest Alberta premiering a series of four videos to kick off their new campaign called Alberta Seniors Deserve Better. For more on this, we welcome to the program Public Interest Alberta Executive Director Joel French. Joel, thanks so much for the time today. Thanks for having me. How do Alberta seniors deserve better? Well, I think uh, the biggest problem right now is just that the issues around seniors' care aren't getting enough attention. So there are some very serious issues in the system. Uh, I think that won't surprise a lot of Albertans, but right now we don't have enough long-term care beds. Um, in a lot of our seniors' homes, there are uh, way too many out-of-pocket costs. You know, Gradually over the past couple of decades, governments um, trying to save money have really offloaded a lot of costs that used to be covered by uh, public money. Uh, on to patients and their families. So uh, lots of things like medications that used to be covered in seniors' care homes, uh, in a lot of homes are not covered anymore. Um, and we rely greatly on private for-profit corporations uh, to provide care, which means we're actually wasting a lot of public dollars on paying for corporate profits, a lot of it that's going out of the country to shareholders um, in a very what's become a very profitable business of caring for seniors. So we need that to change, and for that to happen, Uh, I think we need political parties talking about those issues in the coming election campaign. Do we need to do a full-scale review and figure out where the money's being spent, how it's being spent, and what the best allocation of resources might be to get that proper care that you guys are calling for? Um, I think some of it, we a lot of it, we know where it's going. When we got down to the micro level, uh, when it comes to specific contracts, there is information um, that is still being kept secret. A lot of contracts with uh, with these for, for-profit corporations where we don't know the details. So I think those details do need to come out. The public has a right to know that because our tax dollars are paying for it. Uh, I think, you know, we, we need some big changes, that's for sure. You know, Do we need a, a big report to be written to show us where to go? I don't know if we need that. I think a lot of the solutions actually aren't that complicated. We just need a government or, or really all political parties um, pushing for those fixes to happen. And right now, like I said, it's just not an issue that's being talked about much. So um, we think that all political parties need to make that a priority going into the election campaign. 
as I mentioned off the top of the show when I was previewing what was coming up, one of the things that I noticed is I, was, I did a little mini tour of southern Alberta, and one of the things that especially the small towns were talking about was their aging infrastructure for their seniors' yeah. homes. How do you address that without saying, hey, we're going to have to go into more debt and more deficits down the road? And how do you find that even keel approach to just deal with the infrastructure, let alone you know the the need for more nurses and healthcare practitioners and that kind of mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, I, you're absolutely right. Particularly in smaller communities, you know, I was just uh, up in a, a town of Berwyn, Alberta, up north of Grand Prairie uh, last year, where uh, a public seniors care home was shut down. Uh, even though there were seniors there still demanding care and still wanting to live there. Um, they were being shipped to Grand Prairie so that it was because it was cheaper for the provider, uh, more efficient in that way. You know, I, I think we need some bigger conversations in the uh, province, too, about tax revenue. Uh, I think that's an, an area where our province actually doesn't do well at all, is raising revenue to pay for these services. And, you know, that's, of course, a big conversation. It's politically loaded. Um, but I think if if political parties are up front with Albertans and say, you know, we actually need to have the money to invest in it and are upfront with Albertans on where that money is going. I think people are willing to pay for it if they think that it's going to a good cause. And I can't think of a better cause than caring for our seniors in the province. One of the challenges, too, is there's that trickle-down effect. As I spoke about education, for example, is when you have schools that are closing down, is you end up having the the resources being needed in the bigger centers, much the same as seniors' care. Is if you've got the smaller mm-hmm. towns that are having to close their facilities down, that's just putting more of a strain on the bigger centers, and the bigger centers are, are having to deal mm-hmm. with uh, with that, that burden. Yeah, and that's that's happening in a lot of our areas of public services. I know in the healthcare system, too, um, a lot of our rural uh, places, even if they still have healthcare facilities, a lot of services are being cut from them and people are, are being told they need to go to larger centers. Um, you know, I think that requires a conversation as a province on what do we value and do we value those those uh, smaller towns and those rural communities? I, I think that we should. Um, that does mean a bigger investment of dollars. You know, it, it is more efficient, of course, from a government perspective to have everybody drive to the city. But, you know, that's not efficient for Albertans. You know, if you're the person who lives in Grand Prairie and you have to drive to Edmonton to get a service, and Grand Prairie is not even that rural, um, but a lot of folks are having to do that. You know, that's, you know, what, six-hour drive uh, each way is spending on the road and then paying for a hotel when you get there. You know, it's not on the government's books, but it sure hits the pocketbook of families. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Joel French over at Public Interest Alberta as they've launched their new campaign. It is called uh, Alberta Seniors Deserve Better. We'll definitely have be having this conversation again before too long, especially once the writ is dropped. Joel, thanks so much for the time today. Anytime. Thanks for having me. All right, let's head on over to helicopter traffic for Gateway at West District by Truman. Become neighbors with Calgary's best, uh, best amenities. This is Calgary Today on 770 CHQR. Earlier today, several, actually 25 Calgarians uh, recognized in an annual cer- uh, ceremony beyond the call celebrating acts of bravery and compassion. Calgary Fire Department handing out some awards to some people who showed off some bravery, some courageousness, some helping their fellow neighbors, some helping just people that they know on the street. And if you think back over last year, there's been quite a few big time fires. We talked a lot about it in in the lead up to the new year, talked with the fire chief, Steve Dongworth, about uh, some of the high profile cases that they were involved in. One of those was back at the end of May 
in Inglewood. A four-alarm uh, four fire causing extensive damage. 200 residents were displaced at the time. A lot of people asking what happened and that kind of thing. But one of the stories that emerged out of it is that of Tim Dent. Tim joins us now. One of the recipients of those awards today. Tim, thank you so much for joining us today. First off, it was, uh, you know, the ending of a great night. We're out with some friends. Uh, we uh, went to bed. Everything was normal. And then, um, you know, during the middle of the night, you know, I smelled something, you know, hear odd things. So I woke up to see a, a weird glow on uh, the window frame, went out to the balcony and seen that one of the condo units were on fire. So I wrapped my wife up in a, you know, my, my house coat, sent her downstairs and I ran around to the other unit, knocking on doors as I was going to the, to the unit that was on fire. And, um, I knocked on the door once, twice, and I was about to kick the door down. And the and the resident opened up the door, and you know they they left. And then coming back to get their their pets, I was like, "Come on, guys, really, you gotta get out of here. You know your place is on fire." So um, after that, you know, try to assess to see if I actually could put the fire out, but you know, obviously it. it, it uh, fire travels quickly. Um, I wasn't able to. Um, so then I, I left. But on that, as I was leaving, uh, emerging from the smoke, I was hearing some some cries for help for, from a, a neighbor of ours uh, who was helping another neighbor of ours um, that's kind of physically, you know, she's in a wheelchair. Um, so she was helping her. And we took her downstairs and uh, got her out safely as well. So when you look back on it, was at the moment, were you acting just on instinct? Were you acting on something that you had thought of in your practice, in your everyday life? Like, how does how do you manage to keep your, your wits about you in a moment of, uh, you know, sudden uh, insanity in a sense? Yeah, well, at that time, you know, I wasn't really thinking of anything. Um, I guess, you know, life experiences teach you, you know, you have to act in, in a situation where people need help. Um, and so that's basically what I did was, you know, I did what I had to. I wasn't really thinking. I was just doing. And it uh, saved lives and, you know, helped help people get out of uh, danger. So after the fact, when you were able to kind of bring everybody back together again, uh, what was the conversation like amongst those in your building? Um, actually, we've been back for several months now, uh, since August, uh, The most of us, but the ones in the uh, fire and the water damage affected area, they're just coming back recently. So we will be having uh, a little uh, street party, if you will, a little uh, condo party and mm-hmm. we'll be all I, we're going to have so many stories so it's <laughs> it's going to be uh, it's going to be great to have everyone back that's fantastic when you look uh, when you look to today in particular what does it mean to you to be hailed as a hero um i really don't think that in that term because anyone really i think more of the the firefighters the police officers and so forth to do that on a regular basis, 
myself, I was, you know, I just did what I had to do because it was necessary. So I don't think in terms of heroism, I guess, not at all. Tim, when you look back on it, what did you learn about uh, yourself or what did you learn following dealing with that uh, particular emergency? Well, the one major thing is uh, fire safety. Um, it, it can't be overstated. Um, throwing out of cigarettes properly, um, having extinguishers in the home, knowing how to use them, uh, being friends and knowing your neighbors uh, is a very important thing because if that didn't happen, some good friends that we have there would have been just stuck up there. So, I mean, get to know your neighbors. Have a little wine party. (laughs) Wine and cheese or something like that, right? Absolutely. One final question for you. What was it like being in amongst uh, a number of other fellow Calgarians who were receiving that same honour? And did you learn anything while you were sitting there having those conversations and meeting them for the first time? Very, you know what, actually very humbled because, you know, we, uh, we two families at my table that we were, uh, we were talking. They both have children, and they both put their lives at risk. And, I mean, that is something beautiful to see, you know, just to see fellow Calgarians and just stepping up to do what needs to be done. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. without a doubt and what you did was amazing as well so don't downplay that at all tim uh congratulations uh an award well uh well deserved thank you so much for joining us on the show today uh thank you so much if you want more on not just tim's story but some of the others head on over to twitter at calgary today i tweeted a little bit uh, just not too long ago uh the global calgary tweet 25 brave calgarians recognized today for jumping into action when they were needed most. And Tim was certainly one of those. I remember that fire, man. Like that was uh, May, end of May, four alarm blaze in Englewood, 200 residents affected by it. Uh, and as Tim mentioned, they're still uh, haven't gotten everybody back into that complex yet, but they're hoping to soon, maybe have a little bit of a party and reminisce about uh, what happened just over a year ago. Unbelievable stuff. Just wanted to do a quick little wrap-up of things because I've been conjuring something up in my head. As I watched the U.S. election in 2016, and I looked and went, <sighs> you look at Donald Trump, you look at Hillary Clinton, you go, "This is nobody's going to be super happy with either of these, right? And then I look at what happened during the last federal election here, and then I look at what's coming up with this provincial election is it time to shake things up with our institutional, I use that term in quotations, the institutional parties that we have in power or that are assumed to be in power? Crazy notion. But maybe you need to start thinking about, I, I maybe I'm a purveyor of chaos from a political standpoint, but could we do any worse by voting any other party but those two main rivals? It's just it's one of those things. Maybe it's worth thinking about. Because if we're going to continue down this rabbit hole of weirdness, because let's face it, between these two polar opposite parties, there's got to be maybe maybe you interject a little freedom conservative party, an Alberta party, and 
I know this is going to sound really, nobody's going to love me for this one, but the Alberta Liberals. I know our listeners really love love the Liberal Party, but at the same time, if you're not a fan of the NDP and not a fan of the UCP, maybe it's time to start thinking about some. I again, I go back to the U, U.S. election. I go, how did not? How did more people not go? Maybe we could go to the Libertarians. Why not? Just shuffle things up. I like a little chaos in politics. That's just me. Anyways, we'll talk about that more and a few other things coming up on the show tomorrow. This is Calgary Today, though, here on 770 CHQR. Just want to take a moment to thank you for taking the time to download and listen to the Calgary Today podcast. Don't forget to subscribe through Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. We'll chat with you soon.